0: We need the Holy Spirit until Jesus comes again. That's the emphasis of today's Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. If you've done an in-depth study of the spiritual gifts and manifestations of the Spirit, I'm sure you're familiar with the various viewpoints that exist in the church. Some suggest that the sign gifts have ceased and no longer for today. That would include the speaking of tongues, its interpretation, and prophecy. But today, on abounding Grace, as we complete 1 Corinthians 13, we'll discover that we need the Spirit gifts and manifestations until the Lord returns. Pastor Ed Taylor will encourage us to keep our eyes on the prize, the coming of Jesus.
1: So here's the key. There's time now, the exercise of the gifts, and then there's a time then or when where some of these gifts are going to pass away. He mentions them in particular. He doesn't have a full listing, but all the gifts are going to pass away when. So notice with me, walk through this. It says in verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. That's today. But when that which is perfect has come, so that's the time period. What is that which is perfect? Then when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. We see in a mirror dimly, verse 12, but then face to face. We know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. So mark that word perfect. You like to write in your Bibles, You can write literally the goal or the purpose or when that which is finished or complete. You could also write next to it the fullness. And it's this phrase, this little phrase that brings about much debate on what are the gifts of tongues, the gift of prophecy, and knowledge have passed away. And then... Of course, the last one is the interpretation of tongues, because if you don't have tongues, then why you have interpretation of tongues. So it's not mentioned, but it's kind of included. And there are those that would say, and they they are in a particular camp. I explained this before. It's the camp known as, and you might hear this phrase, cessationist. And that word just means to cease. It's a form of cease. And there are those within the body of Christ that hold to some very godly, wonderful men. Teachers, men and women for that matter, just wonderful congregations. They love the Lord and they've come to the conclusion that the gifts have ceased. And God still uses them greatly. God uses them in overwhelming capacities. And so this isn't an issue about salvation or whether you're a good believer or bad. It's nothing like that. It is an understanding of scripture where some have concluded, hey, don't need those gifts today. Because that which is perfect has already come. And they apply that to all the signed gifts. And what they believe is perfect that has come is the Bible. That's what they say here. That we need the gifts, and it was written in the first century where the completeness of the New Testament wasn't finished yet. And they said, from Paul's perspective, he looked for the day that the Bible would be here. And when he knew when the Bible would be here, or at least the Holy Spirit inspired him, even if he didn't know then once the Bible arrived, no need for those giftings anymore. One of the most important things that you and I need to learn how to do is to understand what the Bible says in context. Because the context of the scripture will invariably answer the questions that come up on these debatable issues. This is a big one because it's a big rift down the church. It's unfortunate, but it's a big rift down the church and it's nothing to break fellowship over. Uh, It's nothing to hold over anyone's head, but it is important for you to come to a conclusion of whether you're going to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. There is a great danger that once you start to relegate the Holy Spirit into a particular timetable in a particular place, that that's the only way that he could use. And quickly, you would want to then, and what we find is many people will, will relegate the Holy Spirit to a particular time in a particular way and then try to attempt to do the work of God in their own strength. That's a very dangerous thing to do. So when you see this, what is that which is perfect? Well, in context, I want you to notice that in verse 12, as he describes that time, he says that today we have an imperfect view. We see in a mirror dimly. But then when, when that which is perfect comes, notice he uses a personal statement. He says we're going to see face to face. The Bible, in its completion, doesn't give us a full face to face View of Jesus. He gives us insight of who Jesus is, but we don't see him yet face to face. A second statement that he makes in verse 12 is, for now I know in part, which is true, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. That's that's another personal statement where someone knows us and when that which is perfect has come, we will then share in that knowledge. Right now, We know in part. Then we'll know even as we are known. I don't believe anywhere in this is the understanding of the canon of Scripture. Truly, as Paul was writing down this note to the Corinthians, he himself didn't even yet know that he was writing down the New Testament. He was just writing a letter, obedient to the Lord. Just like many times when you're doing something obedient to the Lord, you don't even know what God's doing until later. They go, oh, I was just being obedient. And throughout church history, even after the canonization, or what they call the completion of the New Testament coming together, which, by the way, wasn't done by man. Man discovered the canon. God inspired it. Canon, that word just means a measuring stick. And when you refer to the New Testament and the Old Testament that's in your hands, it's referred to the canon of Scripture, or the accepted writings of the Scriptures. And there's a lot of different dates that are given on the canonization of scripture about 300 is about the the normal one that's accepted but God already knew ahead of time what the canon of scripture was all that man did was discover it they didn't create it God ordained exactly what he wanted written when he wanted written by who he wanted it written and and supernaturally connected the dots for men so that they might discover the canon of scripture and that in and of itself is a whole different bible study It was in his commentary that John Corson wrote this. Yet I find it interesting, he says, that this particular interpretation, so common in our time, and that interpretation is that the gifts, these gifts don't exist today. He says, was not suggested by a single commentator until shortly after 1906, the year that the Azusa Street Revival, wherein an outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place, that spread across the country and ultimately around the world. Those in the body of Christ who were threatened by this revival used this text to say, prophecy, tongues, and knowledge will vanish when that which is perfect is come. The Bible is that which is perfect. Therefore, there is no need for these manifestations anymore. It wasn't even common until very, very recently. Early church after early church father, Justin Martyr, Novatian, Hilary of Poultiers, Irenaeus, they all mention the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit in the early church, the church fathers. And there's so many more, I just wrote down a few. It really comes down to what is that which is perfect? And it doesn't really fit anywhere whatsoever before, after, if you look all the way through chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, there is no context whatsoever that the finality of the scriptures is anywhere mentioned at all. That's not even the topic that Paul's on. It's not even what he's, what's supportive of the verses before and after, which is the immediate context. Think of it another way. If indeed the gift of tongues doesn't exist today, which is the big debatable one, then also that means, according to the scriptures, that back in verse 8, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies. Now remember, we've looked at prophecy in depth. It's simply just telling the truth. It's speaking forth the Word of God. It's being able to speak forth the truth in a powerful way. Don't think of prophecy of, of, of some kind of, of prof- prophetic word that you're predicting the work of God, although God can do that, but what God has done now in the New Testament, what He's done through the believer, is the speaking forth of the Word of God. Has that disappeared? Has the warning that would come, like in the book of Acts, with the warning is, hey, don't go there, be careful there, or God has just given you a word. Has that disappeared today? How about this? They just kind of read through, you know, the prophecies are going to fail. Whether there are tongues, they'll cease. Whether there is knowledge, it'll pass away. That's pretty heavy. To think if that which is perfect has come, there's no need for that supernatural knowledge any longer. There's no need for the... He just spoke on the manifestation of that word of wisdom, that word of knowledge. That certainly hasn't passed away. And of course, prophecies and knowledge aren't as controversial as the misuse and the abuse of the gift of tongues. And the interpretation that leads you to think and leads us to think perhaps, or some to to believe, that perfect mention is the Bible just violates the context of the passage. I understand that even some of you may disagree and that's perfectly fine. But like I've said at any other time, go ahead and take what's shared here and test it by the word of God. Test it. Anywhere within 1 Corinthians that the canon of scripture or the understanding that the Bible would come and bring a cease to certain gifts, not all of them, just certain of them, is anywhere mentioned or even hinted at or Paul wants them to ever? He's getting their eyes on the return of the Lord. They had gotten their eyes off of the coming of the Lord. That's one of their problems. He says, guys, you, you, you're not even majoring on love. You're not even holding fast to love anymore. You don't care about love at the communion table. You don't care about love at the agape feast. You don't care about love when you're speaking out in tongues and everybody's speaking in tongues. You're speaking in tongues and there's no interpretation. You're out of order. We'll see in chapter 14. You don't care anything about one another. You're selfish. You're self-centered. Hey, you want to know the key? Major on love and look for the soon return of Jesus Christ. It'll take everything and put it into perspective for you. It'll put everything in your life in perspective, let alone some of these things where we get off and major on those things that are unimportant. There is a promise from God that at the coming of the Lord, whether he comes or we go to meet him in the air, either one, uh, we, we find ourselves taking our last breath on earth and our first breath in heaven. There is an instantaneous giving of full knowledge. We don't have that today at all. And knowledge hasn't passed away. It's not like we don't know anything. But it's very true we don't know everything. Even with the scriptures in our hands. We don't know everything. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us and give us insight. And illuminate the scriptures. And we still know in part today. But you can have that hope. You know all those questions you want answered? Do you have a file? I have a file. I want to know a few things that. God what happened here? Why'd you take her so soon? I don't don't understand. I've searched your scriptures. I understand your sovereignty. But there's got to be a reason. Why'd you allow this in my life? You know that long season, God? You're going to have instant knowledge. I don't think you're going to have a conversation like that with God. I think immediately you're going to have a full knowledge. And you're going to understand that, wow. This temporary, this light affliction, which is just but for a moment, is working in me a far greater glory that's to come. That full knowledge is promised to you at the coming of the Lord. The Bible says, you can jot it down in Ephesians chapter 4, that God himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God To a perfect man. That's where we're headed. To the measure and the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. It's an anticipation. Turn over now to the Old Testament. Flip with me to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. There in the minor prophets. Joel. Hosea. Joel. Joel chapter 2. There is a description of what things will be like in the last days. The days just before the coming of the Lord. The days in life where there's great anticipation, where you can see the signs of the times. We see here and pick up in verse 28 of Joel chapter 2. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams... And your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants, and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth. Verse thirty: blood and fire and pillars of smoke. You seen that yet? Yes? No? Interactive. Anybody see that yet? No. Okay. Verse thirty-one: the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. Anybody see that? All right, just want to make sure. Don't want to miss anything. Although there was a beautiful sunset today. Did you see that? It's like God just reminding you how faithful he is, how beautiful. It's like, you know, Ed, I know you don't like the snow. Check this out. (laughs) I'm like, come on, I like this. But the color is incredible how God paints the sky. And there's going to be some colors in the sky that aren't going to be very beneficial for the people that see them the time of great judgment right before the coming of the Lord. It says, all of this is going to happen before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. And so God pours out his spirit on all flesh. He says here afterward, Turn over to Acts chapter 2 with me. Acts chapter 2. We've looked at this many, many weeks ago on the weekend services. Acts chapter 2. What happened in Acts chapter 2? But the disciples, the believers are waiting in Jerusalem. Why? For the promise of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't even know what they were waiting for. They were just obeying Jesus when he said, don't you depart from Jerusalem. But wait there until the Spirit of God comes upon you. And that's what happens in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. And these manifestations that are said to have ceased happened. It says, they were all filled, verse 4 with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were people there, and they were all confused, it says. And they were amazed, and they marveled. And timid Peter, the one that just denied Jesus, the one that hung his head in shame, denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. He gets this sudden burst of boldness and wisdom, and the Word of God comes out of him to preach a very simple message that 3,000 people get saved. And you know where he goes to explain what happened on Pentecost? Joel chapter 2. And he quotes it. Listen, verse 16. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What they saw, what they experienced, these giftings in tongues as they spoke out in tongues. And the Holy Spirit here, Peter says, okay, no, hold on. I see it as an opportunity. I'm going to preach the gospel. Hold on, everybody. Now that God's got your attention, let me tell you what this is. And by the way, it's very important for any experience in the church to be able to say, this is that which was spoken of by. That we have a biblical understanding. There's so much going on. They go, well, the Spirit made me do it. Well, man, is there any ever, anyone anywhere ever in church history ever experienced that? Anything in the Scripture? No, no, no. It's just, it's brand new. Oh, be careful. Because in this brand new manifestation of the Spirit here on Pentecost, there was an answer what it was. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. In Joel, he said, Afterward, God would pour out his spirit. Afterward, notice what Peter says. Peter says, as he quotes it, he says, It shall come to pass, what does your Bible say? In the last days, that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. So now you know what category you are. If you're young, you're getting visions. And if you're old, you get dreams. I didn't say it. The Lord did. <laughs> and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, the last days, afterward. All of this is happening. They'll prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above the signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Have you seen that yet? Nope. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming and great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We need his spiritual gifts, the manifestations of his spirit, while we are journeying on this earth. We need the spirit of God. And Peter here declares from the testimony of Joel... That the gifts will be with us in the last days, which started, it's a long period. You go, wait a minute, that's a lot of last days. 2,000 years worth of last days. Yeah, that's a lot. But why? Because the patience of the Lord, the Bible says, is for salvation. And aren't you glad that the last days went right through 1985? Aren't you glad? Because you were saved in 1986 and God was patient. And aren't you glad it went right through 1992 because you were saved right there in 91? And you were saved there in 87. And you were saved there in 2009. And you were saved there last week. So the last days, that's a lot of days. But our salvation is now nearer than when we first believed. And the last days refers to a time period right before the coming of the Lord that began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and has continued now until the coming and the notable and great day of the Lord. There is no interruption with the Bible coming or the canonization of Scripture, or any of that kind of stuff. The Spirit of God is still working today. We need the Spirit of God. You see, when we enter into the presence of the glory of God, we won't need any of His giftings or manifestations anymore. The, the prophecies will fail. They're not needed anymore. Tongues will cease. You, you'll be communing with Jesus on a whole new level. The supernatural giftings aren't needed. All the knowledge, this knowledge that we've gained... You know, where, you know it's right now, there, there are people here that are smarter than others. Some of you are just so smart. Well, in eternity, we're all going to be on level playing field. <laughs> we Are going to know as we know, you know? There's not going to be any of the needs or the divisions that are artificially because of our knowledge or even language. We're going to have all the ability to communicate in the same language. We're, we're not going to be able to know more of the Bible than others. We're all going to have the same. Why? Because we're, we're going to be in the promised presence of Jesus Christ. And all the knowledge will vanish away because these things at best, we only know in part. At best, at our highest level, we prophesy in part. We don't have full knowledge. I mean, it's interesting because as you see the giftings, the manifestations, remember they're given as the Lord wills, as the Spirit sovereignly gives. Because haven't you walked away from situations and it's like, man, I, I don't think I was all that much of a help. And one of the reasons is because God just didn't hook you up with the answer. It has nothing to do with you. It wasn't your sin. It wasn't any, you were ready, willing, but you just sensed that, man. I, I was just all I could do was encourage them. I didn't have an answer for them, but God used that encouragement to prepare them for the next person that's going to give them the answer. You're all a part of the body, but but we do wish we could just give the right answer every time. Have you ever walked away from someone just going, ah, oh, why did I say that? What was I thinking? Or you're driving down and and there was such a heavy situation you just wanted to and then. You know, 15 minutes down I-25, you got the answer. You go, oh, it's too late now. Because you know in part. You speak for God's word in part. You forget where the scriptures are, don't you? You misquote them. You tell somebody it's in Acts and it's actually, you know, in Genesis. Like, that was a big miss. Because we know in part. To, to really, you, you might say, well, no, Ed, I memorized that. It's in, it's in Acts. I, I don't ever say that. It's always in Acts. I memorize it. No, no, no. God gave that to you. And he's retained that part of your memory so that you can recall it. It's not your great memory or your memorization skills. It's the fact that God hasn't let that part of your brain disintegrate. <laughs> that you're able to grow in your understanding of the Lord. Why? Because he's just so in love with you and he wants to use you, and he wants to bring things to you, but everything that we do is still partial.
0: You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, who today continued our study of 1 Corinthians. You can hear this message again online at calvaryco.church or listen through either of our apps. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. And here in the month of July, we've picked out a book written by Pastor Ed we think you'll enjoy and benefit a great deal from. It ties in quite nicely to our current study, too. It's called Ordinary Servant. Maybe you've wondered, can God really use me? I'm just an ordinary guy or gal. Well, the answer, in short, is absolutely. Pastor Ed will lovingly and biblically walk you through how it is we can serve others with the heart of Christ. We'll send this your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And again, we'll say thanks for a gift of $25 or more by sending you Pastor Ed's book, Ordinary Servant. When you make a donation to Abounding Grace, you're helping countless others learn and apply the Bible and grow in grace. Call toll free at 877 30 GRACE. That number again, Eight seven seven three zero 30 grace Next time on Abounding Grace we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Corinthians. Thank you for listening today and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace